Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, episode 25. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, supported by the best panel in the business, no Beck tonight, but we've got Stacey and we've got Alex. And guys, I've got a bit of an interesting question for you straight off the top, and it talks a little bit about college football. So as we know, Mike Tomlin said in no uncertain terms that he is not interested in going back or going to college football uh, with some of the biggest bigger programs in college uh, looking for head coaches, in particular USC. So my question tonight is, if not Mike Tomlin, then who? Uh, if you were a big college program, what sort of NFL talent would you be sort of looking at? Stacey, you're going to start with you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to put the fishing right out there for my, uh, my Trojans and say that uh, we should pick up Josh McDaniels. You know, he's the offensive coordinator for the Patriots. He's a, a quarterbacks and offensive focus coach that I really think could work well into the traditional scheme um, at USC. Seeing how, you know, he, seeing how he has managed Mac Jones so far and obviously with Tom Brady all those years, He's got five Super Bowls. I would not be unhappy to have him um, with my college team. Yeah, that would be a good one. And and I guess, you know, the other reason is how much longer is he going to have to wait to get that head coaching job there in New England? I think Bill Belichick uh, has still got a few years left there. Look, for me, I, I'm going to go, you know, um, something similar. I'm, I'm going to go with Mike McCarthy in, in, in Dallas, only because I'd actually like to see him step aside and give Kellen Moore an opportunity there to coach in Dallas. Some of these younger offensive minds are brilliant. I just wonder what Kellen could do there. And Mike McCarthy, I could just picture him in those booster meetings after some experience there with Jerry Jones. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think he could uh, add some value there. Alex, what about yourself? Um, for me, I'm going to go with Chris Tabor, who is the Bears special teams coordinator and stepped in for head coach Matt Nagy this past kind of uh, week with Matt Nagy getting COVID. I just think he's a, he's, he just, he looked like he enjoyed what he was doing on the field. He's been with quite a number of players with the Browns and the Bears franchises that have set records as far as punts, field goals, that type of thing. So I think he understands the importance of special teams. I think sometimes when you look at coaches like that's a, a missing factor. Um, but yeah. And I liked what he did with Justin Fields. He allowed him to run the ball. He allowed him to throw the ball. So I think he just, he has a, he had a, a he has a, Good opportunity to maybe be a head coach in college. Maybe. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and this week we're headed to the AFC East and we're going to be looking at the Buffalo Bills. Now, Stacey, it pains me to say as a New England Patriots supporter that I, I have to admit, and I, and, I, and I shouldn't, but I find this team so fascinating to watch. They they are, you know, when, when you look at all of the games that are available um, you know, uh, you know, often they're played at the same time. When you see a Buffalo game, it's hard not to turn on the television because, you know, this quarterback they've got there, Josh Allen, he's something special. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just a great football team. So, again, pains me to say he's a Patriots supporter, but, yeah, this is one hell of a team. 
Oh, I completely agree. And, and you know, I, it, it sucks being a Patriots fan when you've got the Bills in, in your division because I actually have quite a soft spot for the Bills because, you know, if we remember back in the 90s, they went to four straight Super Bowls from 1990 to 1993 and they lost every single one of them. So, I mean, you love the Bills Mafia. They go nuts with their, their table breaking. Um, they go nuts. You know, it's, it's a city that needs, they needed Josh Allen to come at the right time. And I think he has. And it's fascinating to watch, you know, on all sides of the ball. The Bills, like we've said in this whole podcast, are the complete team. And like I said earlier off air, you know, they're doing the one percenters right. And, uh, and, and that's, you know, that's why they're fun to watch. Yeah, I'm with Stacey. This is a fun it's it's been fun to watch some of the last three years since Josh Allen's kind of joined them. But I think what's been really cool to watch is his development as a player because he's just he's just getting better and better and better. Right. And I think what's interesting is that you kind of look at some quarterbacks go, okay, well, you had one standout year, you know, and his first year in wasn't wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, you know, phenomenal. But it was still up there with being a really good season. And then his second season or his 2020 season even which might have been a second or third he just exploded on it like and he just on the scene everyone's talking Josh Allen and you know how good he is and and I think that that's how you do it sometimes I think that was the front office did well they built a team the right way in my opinion and they got the right kind of quarterback to lead that team who does it by example on the field right you watch him play he'll throw that first down but if there's nobody open He'll run, and this guy's, what, like six-something? Like, he's a big guy. He'll hurdle anybody that gets in his way, right? We saw that a couple weeks back, right, which is just weird kind of watching him do that too. But it's 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 fun watching him on, you know, play on screen because he just looks like he gets better and better week in and week out, right? And they took a loss first week, and they've just kind of gone, eh, week one. Like, we're fine. We're good. So I think watching that and seeing it as a franchise, like, that's – if other teams are looking on how to build a team, look at the formula of Buffalo because they've done it the right way. I completely agree. And, and it's fascinating to think that, you know, when Josh Allen jumped into, uh, into the draft, you know, they mocked him for being so inaccurate. And, and you know, there is a big theory around that you – the amount of time and talent it takes to improve your accuracy. Like we're talking minute, you know, uh, mechanical type detail and, and to have him go from being not entirely accurate to being one of the most accurate and with the long ball, um, it's actually fascinating. And the team that they've built around him to support him doing that, you're exactly right, Alex, they've done it the right way. Guys, Alex, I'm going to throw it to you because you are, you know, you, you well, both of you are in this space. You know, you guys have have the have the first hand experience. But to, to both of your point, um, Josh Allen does not make sense when it comes to his accuracy. This guy could not hit the side of a barn. He was absolutely atrocious. And yes, you when you talk about accuracy, you know, when you look back at past quarterbacks, they'll get they'll get one or two percent better each and every year. But this guy came from being inaccurate to you know one of the more accurate uh, plays in the competition. So, Alex, what's your thoughts on, on it? It has it. You know, you, you hear a lot of interviews and, and sort of what it's taken for him to, to get to where he is. Is it just hard work or, you know, did you see a lot of fundamental flaws in his mechanics? Um, I mean, I didn't see a bunch of fundamental flaws. I think you still see it sometimes when he throws, especially when he does like little shovel passes and you're like, oh, that that wasn't 
that wasn't pretty at all. Like you still see, he does revert kind of back to the old kind of mechanics sometimes. Um, But I definitely think it comes down to just kind of putting in those extra yards, um, putting in a little bit of extra work, but also like sitting down and just kind of watching film, looking at your timing, right? Looking at the plays. Okay. If he breaks off that defender, I have this minute window to throw the ball. Um, so I think it comes down to like a mix of things and just having the right quarterback coach as well, I think is a big thing, you know, someone he's willing to listen to and someone he's willing to learn from and someone who's willing to kind of trust in the process. Right. Cause if you have a quarterback coach, it's like, well, you're never going to get it. There's no point. Right. Then they can just dismiss you and then you don't really grow. But if you have a quarterback coach or even just a head coach, even that's like, Nope, we're going to get you better. And you're going to be one of the best. It's having that kind of belief in yourself and having the system believe in you too, as well as the hard work, I think there's a lot of factors that kind of come into it to kind of have the confidence to change your throwing style, if you will, because it's a hard thing to do, right? It's not going to happen overnight and you've got to adjust and it, it takes a while. And for him to be as accurate as he is now is, is great to see. And I think too, like he's just, he's got a powerful cannon and, and harnessing that cannon is one of the hardest things. Like you can, you can have the biggest arm in the world, but if you can't get it into a receiver, then there's no point, right? And he only was completing like 49% of his passes back in college. You know, um, I follow uh, Jordan Palmer, Carson Palmer's brother. He's a bit of a QB coach. And, and the way that he describes Josh Allen's arm talent is that he's just got at the end of a throw, like, and anyone who's ever caught an, uh, like a pass, you feel the ball in your hands. And, and if the ball comes in really, really lightly, but over a 53-yard kind of touchdown situation, like that's special. And, and, and it's that that he's got. So that's the t- that that's what all these coaches, these NFL coaches, have seen in him, and developing that has been, um, you know, from a point of his mechanics, it's about changing, uh, you know, his stance, the way he stands. He used to bounce kind of up and down. He used to be a little bit more movement focused, but now he sits, he surveys, and he actually can take the time to make the passes a little bit more accurate while delivering such a like a fifty-three yard bomb with, you know, soft soft hands into the receiver. It's, it's like catching a you know an egg off of the stairs you know it's just crazy it's uh no he's definitely uh definitely talented and and one of the things I would say about Buffalo is I I think patience has been really really important with with that franchise because you know he he didn't play well he was inaccurate but they didn't panic you know a lot of these franchises and Buffalo they weren't traveling too crash hot when they drafted him so to have the patience to to take that time and obviously Sean McDermott he's created something really really um special there Alex you talk about patience and Sean McDermott one of the things that we kind of missed is this was a very boring team when it came to the draft outside of Josh Allen because every year they would just go into the draft and they would pick the best defensive player that, you know, didn't get a lot of buzz and all the fans probably wanted the flashy receiver or the running back and year after year they didn't do it. Fast forward five, six years and suddenly you've got an entire side of the football that is just, I mean, mean, talk us through this defensive side in Buffalo because, you know, yes, they're leading the competition from a statistics perspective, but it's beyond that. This is... This is one of the most special uh, groups that we've seen in a very long time. Yeah, I agree. And, and as we said earlier, right, it's developing it the right way. And I think we've talked about this before in the past. We're looking at drafts, right? If there's nobody that's like super phenomenal and maybe the first round, draft down, like give it to somebody else. Go second, third round, fourth round, fifth round, because you're going to get players that are just hungry for a chance, Right. And they just want to play and they want to develop and they want to learn. And I think 
especially from a defensive side, you know, you can teach someone to run a route, you can teach someone to kind of catch a ball and you can teach someone to throw, but having that kind of defensive IQ, right. To be able to read quarterback's eyes, to be able to read, you know, the screen plays and the shifts in the motion, you know, that that's a hard thing to learn. And I think, You've got to kind of build the defense before you build the offense, because once that defense figures it out, once they get that experience, we've seen it, they're good, they're golden. And then you go, okay, well, now we can, you know, maybe get a a nice receiver or a nice running back. Um, But yeah, I think building the defense that way is the way to go for any franchise. And again, Buffalo have done it the right way. They've gone and they've drafted kids that aren't maybe super, super standouts, but they've done well. They want to learn. And their defense is is reaping the rewards from it by being first in pretty much everything. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And and you know the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, you have to you have to be smart to play defense. Like you know, I know Tom Brady, you know, joked about playing with some guys and be like, now after talking to them, I know why they play defense because they ain't smart people. But you know, defense is so smart when it comes to reactions. And uh, you know, when you're looking at the Bills defense like like I've said before Jordan Jordan Pointer and Micah Hyde are the best safety duo in the league and what they lack I mean Matt Milano Tremaine Edmonds and AJ Klein like they're not big names in that linebacker you know rotation um as as starters but at the same time like their secondary speaks well for itself adding intradavious white and you know even some of their D-line, again, not massive big stars that were high coming out of the drafts, but they've been um, coached up. They've been put into, you know, the Bills like to run this, you know, best best on the day mentality. So it's always about competition. It's always about creating the culture where you want to be better than the next person because you do have the opportunity to start. And I think that that's, you know, a, a big way into having the success of a team being so evenly balanced on both sides is it, it can be anyone's day. Yeah, and I, I think the reason why it's so interesting and unique in 2021 is it's such an offensive game. You know, we've seen the scores blow out and we've seen the difference between college football and NFL. That's slowly, you know, they're starting to blend a little bit. Yeah, and, and the fact is, you know, if you're in the fourth quarter and you've got, you know, two minutes to, to go down the field and, and, and score points to win a game, you know, in the past, that was that was 50-50 at best, and, you know, probably the chances are that that wouldn't happen, whereas in today's NFL, you know, it's just a given that, that a team's going to do that, especially if you're giving the ball back to a Rodgers, to a, to a Tom Brady. You know, Buffalo's got to feel very good about coming into these big games as the season progresses, and their defense, they're going to make a stop because, um, yeah, to your points, you know, the, the, the talent there, it's, um, it's special. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, if you look at the stats, too, like their first overall – which, you know, is, is to be expected. But they're, they're fifth and third down conversions, and they're fifth in red zone, right? So they're not first, but they're, you know, top five. And when you need, it, when you need someone to step up and, and stop that third down so, you can, so they force the team to punt it away or you're stopping a touchdown, I mean, that's why teams have put up so little points against the Buffalo Bills because of their red zone defense and that third down percentage, right? Like, you you want to stop a team where you can wherever you can, so I think that's been a key one for Buffalo and and a key one to why their defense is is the way it is. And Stacey, I, I guess we have to we have to try and find some holes in this team because there's never a perfect football team. I guess the only things that I can really see here is obviously there, there's a fair bit of distance between Stephon Diggs there and wide receiver, and you know, and, and that's quite common now. Um, but it would be good to see um, them invest a little bit more in their receiving core. But the other thing too is. 
I don't quite think their running back situation's working. I think one of the things we've seen from Josh Allen is that he's had to use his legs a lot more this year. Number one, because he's amazing at it. But number two, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, that combination, they've invested in it. They've given it time. But, you know, it, it's not like some of the other more dynamic combinations, such as Cleveland's, you know, Nick Chubb, uh, you know, and Kareem Hunt situation. So, um, yeah, what's your thoughts on, on the Buffalo Bills offense? Because outside of Josh Allen, you know, th- th- there could be some improvements made there. I feel it's it's fascinating, like you said, you know, you know, we spoke off air, you know, we were talking about the running back situation and I'm like, who needs to run when you've got Josh Allen and his passing ability. But at the same time, if you're looking at their, you know, from their receiving core, they've got Stefan Diggs, obviously awesome. Emmanuel Sanders, who's been around for a long time, you know, brings that veteran experience. Cole Beasley, who is the clutch Mr. Third down um, conversion. I mean, and, and that's is what's rolling them through these games is that converting on third down and it's Cole Beasley every single time, you know, he's, He's come from the Cowboys. He is that little bit older, but I think having those veteran receivers with a young quarterback like Josh Allen just puts so much more faith in the fact that they're going to be where they need to be because they know that they have to be there. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, they could probably use a little bit more of their uh, their tight end. And sometimes when they use like Reggie Gillum in that fullback position, I find their run scheme a little bit fascinating. But across the board, there's no one that really stands out as going top receive guy at all and that definitely shows right because none of their receivers are in the top 20 as far as rankings in the nfl right now but i think that also shows maybe a testament to josh allen and the program that they have that they're willing to use each and every single one of them right when you look at some programs you look at the packers they've got kind of Devonta adams as their key receiver and there's a large discrepancy between him and the second but what I like with the Buffalo Bills is there isn't really that discrepancy between top receiver and second receiver. So I think in that regards, while yes, to some degree, it's probably not the best, but you're still consistent across the board with all your receivers, right? You're going to utilize every single one of them. So uh, I guess it depends how, how you view your receiver core. And guys, just a quick, sorry, guys, uh, let's just jump in quickly with some predictions. Stacey, uh, let's go straight to you um, because – this isn't a team that loses too too many games. I mean, for me, I've actually got them, and I mean, I, I try and be quite conservative with my records, but I've got them winning out. I, I see them finishing at fifteen and two, um, just because Josh Allen just appears to be getting better and better each and every week. And uh, you know, whilst there are other franchises that are absolutely rival, uh, rattled with injuries at the moment, Buffalo uh, they're pretty unscathed at the moment. So fifteen and two for me. But Stace, what's your thoughts on their record? Yeah, I'm going I'm going to have to go pretty much the same. I think looking at their schedule, I mean, they've got I mean, their schedule's not bad coming up. They've got Jacksonville, Jets, they're easy. Uh Colts depending on what kind of day they come up against, that that maybe could be an upset potentially. Um they might have a little bit of trouble against uh Tampa. Um but I think you'd be pretty right on there going 15 and 2 and they are definitely, you know, in Super Bowl contention this year. Alex, have you got a record for the Bills? Yeah, for me, I think I'm going to go 14 and three just because I think you saw it against the Titans a little bit, just some of that decision making and kind of that red zone drive for them. But also week eight, you know, I think was a bit of a wake up call when Allen got blitzed. He was three for nine and only 17 yards. So, again, they do have holes. They can be beaten. We've seen that. Um, I think the easy teams will blow over, but the tougher teams, I think it's going to come down to the wire, and I think it's just going to come down to play calling and consistency a little bit for them. But I see them going fourteen and three. 
All right, guys, let's jump through to our next segment tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and this week on the match, well, I'm going to throw it straight to you, Stacey, because, you know, you are an absolute football tragic. And, you know, when you think about football, you think about quarterbacks, you think about receivers, you think about social media, all of the publicity, one position group that probably doesn't get the love and attention that they deserve uh, is that offensive line. And tonight we're looking at two outstanding centers in the game. We're looking at Rodney uh, Hudson, who's currently playing at the Arizona Cardinals, and J.C. Tretter, um, who's an absolute star there for the Cleveland Browns. But, yeah, my, my first off question to you is they don't get a lot of love, but talk to us a little bit about the centers and why they are so important in today's game. I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you look at the you look at a football team and – you know, when you think about it in its most simplest terms, the, nothing happens unless the center snaps the ball, right? And from a, a, an IQ perspective, I mean, it's an odd way to start a ball. You're putting the ball between your legs. You can't see where you're snapping to. So you have to be consistent. You also have to look up and see where your blitz is coming from. You also have to make sure that you're making the right block to get that A-gap kind of run. You're calling the protections. And it's it's a fascinating position that doesn't get the respect that it deserves. I mean, and if you're looking at these top centers, it actually doesn't matter who you put behind them in terms of the running back position. It's the O-line that gets things moving. It's the engine room. It's where the heart of the of football games are one is in the trenches so you know having played behind many a great o-line in my past like i shout out to these guys because they just they just don't get the credit they deserve and alex you know i guess stacy touches on all of the points in terms of you know it's really a thinking man sport in terms of all the things you're thinking about and trying to manage that game but then you know that there's there's basically a car accident every single play you know after after the snap so you know talk to us about some of the physicality that's required to play the position because you know it, it's it's just it, it's intense every single every single play yeah definitely and i think when you look at kind of all and especially centers like they're the big guys right like and they take up kind of the most room on the offensive line for a reason <laughs> right so i think you know they're that person that's kind of like that first kind of protection front on for the quarterback and they're kind of that key guy Stacey said right they've got to be so smart about what they're seeing and what they're doing because there's someone's life kind of dependent on them (laughs) and uh you know when you've kind of had some big people running at you you're very appreciative of kind of the big center that's kind of like the speed hump or or whatever they whatever they choose to be in that moment that's going to protect you from that big person running forward but yeah, they tend to be the, the big guys, but also you see them get up in the games and you go, oh, you look like a nice guy. I wouldn't want to like, you know, be anywhere near you on the field, but you look like a nice guy. Like they just don't look like kind of the big scary guys like like some of them do on the football field. They kind of get up and they go, okay, cool, job's done. <laughs> yeah, and that's so fun. That's exactly like the tone of voice, right? That's exactly the tone of voice. Um, you know, and, and they do all of this without any recognition. Like as far as I'm concerned, it's the most selfless position on the team because no one notices when you do good. They only notice when you're doing a bad job and your quarterback's on the ground behind you. And I tell you, seeing a pulling like lineman and especially a pulling center running upfield, laying out a DB is one of the most beautiful things that you can watch in American football. Yeah, no, it certainly is. And, you know, there's a few rules when you're building a team. Number one, find a quarterback. 
Number two, pay someone to protect him. And then number three, get some guys that can get the other person's quarterback. So, uh, no, it's definitely an important position. Well, let's talk about some of the stars in the game at the moment. And uh, let, let's touch on uh, Rodney Hudson to start with. Um, Alex, going to go to you on this one. Currently plays for the Cardinals, an absolutely massive human being, but has a bit of an interesting history uh, because he has played for a few teams. So, yeah, talk us through Rodney and how he's established himself as one of the game's best. Yeah, he's like a three-time pro bowler. Um, for that position, um, came from the Raiders, got traded to the Cardinals in, in 21. Again, big guys, 6'2", 315 pounds. Like, that, that is a big dude, right? Um, you know, but this guy is, like, consistently good. And, and I think kind of when you look at kind of the players that have come out of that um, defense or even offensive line for the Raiders, right? They do something kind of different there and, and kind of build that experience. And I think he's been able to bring that to Arizona. I mean, he ranks first among on all NFL centers with a 93.6 pass blocking grade dating all the way back to 2015, right? And he's been around like he's what, 30, 32. So he's been in the league league for a while, but he's still, you know, with, he's only allowed three sacks, you know, in 3,445 pass blocking snaps. Like, that's it. That's an insane stat. Like, first off, that's a lot of snaps to have that's a lot of snaps that's under so your belt. Snaps. If pardon the pun. But I mean, you know, it's <laughs> to allow only three sacks out of those. Like, he's doing his job. He's doing his job. He's protecting his QB when he needs to. So, if I was kind of any quarterback right now, I'd be wanting Rodney Hudson. I'd be like, hey, can we, can we get him? Because, you know, he, he seems to be doing the job and consistently doing the job as well. I mean, and he's the highest paid one of the – I think he's the highest paid center in the NFL. I wouldn't like, be surprised. Not surprised at all. You know, he signed on, you know, when he was – he got the contract extension with the Raiders and he signed on for $33.75 million. And to be fair, I don't even know if that's enough no. to be able to protect it. And and when you, and it's so funny when you see the size of Kyler Murray against the size of his O-line. Like, not only do they have to be, like, big uh, to stop – the D-line coming through. They also have to be agile because Kyler Murray is, is a whippet. Like he'll just run around and they have to be able to move as fast as he does. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's just fascinating to understand how he can possibly see around them because they're so large. But, yeah, he's, and it's, he's amazing. And it's interesting to see how teams value these. But I mean, you're right. In, in Arizona, the, the, the key to their success is keeping Kyler healthy, you know. Anytime he's healthy and he strings a few games together and builds confidence, you know, they, they can challenge and, and win the whole thing, especially this season, but they have to protect him. And, you know, great to see that, you know, they sort of they sort of went out and invested um, in him. And, uh, you know, I, I just think the compensation just doesn't add up, though. The, the value, I guess, you know, I guess my question is how the Raiders could, could let him go. I think, uh, you know, they got a third-round pick uh, back for him, uh, but they gave away Hudson and a seventh round. So for me, it doesn't add up for someone who's so important and, again, who's leading the league. But, um, yeah, great to see that he's doing well in, in what is a great team. Uh, let's have a look at his competitor tonight because you talk about, you know, some of the best centers in the game, and J.C. Treader is exactly that. And, Alex, he's got a bit of an interesting story because, you know, what we've got to remember for some of our, our younger listeners and people who have only just started following the NFL, the Cleveland Browns haven't always necessarily been the best franchise. No, and I think a big part of that was kind of keeping their quarterbacks healthy. I think that they really kind of struggled to to develop that line, but also they just had many, many other <laughs> faults in there as well that they just need to clean up. I mean, when you're that bad for that long, I mean, 
you eventually just have to go, let's just do a huge overhaul. Um, but I think they did a good job in acquiring, you know, um, JC Treader in what was it? 2017. You know, he was with the Packers for three years before that drafted by the Packers. Um, Brown signed him in, in, in free agency in 2017, but also this is a guy that he hasn't missed an offensive snap since joining the Browns in 2017. And he started, he's starting all 64 games at center. So like he, he's, he's getting his playing time with the Browns, but I think what's also great to see is that this is a guy that is helping the likes of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt put up some insane yards, right? If you don't have somebody that is willing to block that, like open that gap for you as a running back, you're just going to get squished and hammered and, have all sorts of big people falling on top of you. And so the fact that JC Traders able to kind of open holes for Nick Chubb, who became the first Browns running back to amass a thousand rushing yards in back-to-back seasons, like that's behind a guy that's willing to put his body on the line. So this guy can get through. So I think while yes, we talk about centers protecting quarterback, there are also key players in creating those routes for running backs. That I think we don't talk about enough either. So it's kind of that drew role. It's like, okay, well, I got to protect the guy that's passing the ball, but I got to protect the little guy that's kind of running through and giving him that space to be able to do so. Yeah, completely agree with that. And, you know, there's, there's such a big difference between pass uh, protection and like run blocking. Right. And, and, and as far as I'm concerned, you need to have a little bit of mongrel in you on that O-line to be able to get downfield and make those holes. You know, it takes good communication to be able to make sure that those running backs are getting through. And, and like I said the other week, you know, the Browns offensive line is so impressive. It wouldn't matter who you put back there. They would be able to get at least three and a half to four yards, which is average. You know, you need three sets of 3.3 yards per play to get your first downs. Like it just, it's, it's, it's good math sense to have a good O-line. And in terms of having a center that's so smart, like JC Treader, like the dude was almost an Ivy League graduate. Like he's a smart dude. When we're talking about smart uh, football IQ, he's one of the best. Yeah, definitely. I think a fun fact too for him, like he played quarterback in high school and then tight end at his first two years at Cornell. Right. So like, what? Yeah, he he was a he was a high school quarterback and then tight end his first year at Cornell before he moved in to a left tackle and he played twenty games of left tackle for Cornell. So like this guy, he has. I think what's cool about that is that he's played quarterback, so he understands what is needed from him, right? So when you, I don't know what it's like to go from quarterback to center, um, but obviously you have a better understanding of of what the guy behind you needs you to do because you've been in that situation. You've been that quarterback. You go, well, if I had my pick of centers, I'd want to do this, this, and this. So I think that's the kind of cool thing about JC Treader. He's good on the pass protection and he's good on the run. Like, and he's good at creating those blocks upfield. So it's just, for me, he just kind of encompasses what you need out of a center in doing both roles. Yeah, no, it, it, and, and an incredible athlete as well. 307 pounds. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. And to be such a superstar, so important to Cleveland Browns. And then, you know, uh, to your point, he can jump in his car, go down to Costco and no one recognizes him. It's uh, it's pretty incredible life that he would live. Uh, and uh, also, yeah, the president of the Players Association doing great things there as well. All right, guys, in the match, we cannot sit on the fence. We've got to pick our winner here. Very difficult because we've gone to the very top, two of the most elite uh, centers in the game. Uh, Alex, going to start with you. Who are you going here? I think for um, me, I'm going to go with J.C. Treader. I just think as far as his pass protection, his ability to create holes for his running backs, I think, you know, 
he's probably like the more encompassing kind of center and probably the centers that we're kind of moving towards a little bit now. So for me, it's got to be JC Trotter. Yeah, look, for me, I, I thought this was really, really difficult, but I have been following Rodney for quite a few years. I've uh, got quite a few friends that followed the Raiders during his time and been really impressed with how he's come in. And the Arizona Cardinals as a team have just shocked the world, and I think he's been a big part of that. So for me, Rodney, but uh, yeah, it, it is pretty close. Uh, Stacey, you've got the deciding vote tonight. Uh, which way are you going? Ooh, I forgot how it felt when there was only three of us on the panel and one had to be a deciding vote. But I think it's Alex's point about JC Treader being a tight end and a quarterback. Like, like that's just craziness. And and you know, I've had uh, I've had players go from from that center position to a running back position, so I can understand the like how that would work. But what did they say to JC Treader after he, after he was no longer a good quarterback? Did they go, do you just want to put on 50 pounds and just stand in the middle? Like, like how would, I don't even know how that would go, but the dude's awesome. And uh, yeah, so I'm going JC. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, well, it's starting to, well, as we move through the NFL season, we start to look at the hot seat. So the question I've got for you guys tonight is who's, Who's on the hot seat uh, from the coach's perspective? Whose job is potentially on the line? Stacey, going to start with you. Yeah, and uh, this one's this one is interesting for me because you know I, I was a little bit of a fan of the Vikings a couple of years ago during twenty seventeen, um, you know, and they got into the the playoffs. But I have to feel for Vikings fans; they're crying out for a change in Mike Zimmer at the moment. Like he used to be a really great defensive coach, but his defense isn't. Um, stepping up to how it used to be. His clock management is just, I don't know what he's doing right now, calling back-to-back timeouts um, and wasting just poor play calling and not using the Vikings players to the best of their ability. Um, and they lost to a backup quarterback against Dallas. Like uh, Vikings fans are outraged right now. So I will be surprised if, if, he, uh, if he sticks around a little bit longer. But, I mean, something has to change. Yeah, definitely. And maybe... Maybe their quarterback uh, might sort of uh, sort of walk out there uh, with the coach because yeah, exactly right. I, I guess the team's kind of built to win, and uh, definitely some challenges there. Uh, look for me, I, I've said this on a few podcasts. Uh, for me, it's Miami. Uh, Brian Flores. I am bitterly disappointed with what's going on there. Um, you know, I, I highly, I had a lot of. Uh, I, I thought very highly, I guess, of Brian Flores coming out of the New England system. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not good at anything at the moment. And I think, you know, being really disappointed in the defensive side, I, I think that that's, that's been uh, on full display this year. But, you know, I, I guess the biggest issue I've got is the way in which Tua Tungabaloa has been uh, treated, you know, with his whole Deshaun Watson situation. Uh, look, for me, I think it's absolute madness to give away your entire future of your franchise for a guy that's got 23 civil cases that will probably never play a snap for you. But to let it, you know, drift out into the media and basically tell your starting quarterback, a young guy who's played no football, that you're not the guy and then still expect him to go and perform, I, I think that's very, very poor. Um, and, you know, a lot of these decisions are probably happening in and around Brian, but I just think he hasn't done a good enough job there. So um, he's got a short term to time to uh, turn it around. Um, but, yeah, I think he's combination with Tua um, is probably coming to an end, which is um, which is not great. Alex, what about yourself? There's a lot of uh, franchises struggling at the moment, but um, I think I've got a little bit of an idea as to where you're going with this one. I mean, this shouldn't come as a surprise for anybody, but for me, it's Matt Nagy. 
Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in him. You know, I think what's frustrating to see is like he came into Chicago and he went 12 and four in his first season and the last two, he's gone eight and eight. So I think, I don't know what's, what's going on there. Um, there's been a lot of changing in quarterbacks in those couple years with Trubisky and Nick Foles and now Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. I just don't think, and I think Stacey, we mentioned this up here. He just doesn't seem confident in his play calling. He just doesn't seem confident in his decisions. And I think he's trying to run a football game where he's like, well, no, this is how I want to run the football game. This is how I would run the football game. If I was in play, it's like, well, buddy, you're not playing right? You've got a young quarterback who's mobile and who can throw the ball. Like we've seen it, you know, week in and week out, but they're not utilizing the right way. And you know what? I got to apologize to Trubisky for getting all the flack that he got the last couple of years, because it might not have been Trubisky's fault. It's probably Matt Nagy and not being able to coach the personnel that he has. But I also think he doesn't know how to create an offense for the personnel that he has. And oh, I completely I, there's, I would be extremely concerned with the likes of Allen Robinson coming into possible contract negotiations. A lot of the tight ends have their contracts coming up and running Nick, you know, um, Justin Fields into the ground. You know, he could be a very good quarterback and I do believe he's with the right franchise. I just don't think he has the right head coach behind him. I completely agree. I completely agree. And you have to feel like it, it must be so frustrating as Justin Fields and the rest of that receiving core to go, why can't this guy just come up with a scheme that fits us? It's like he's gone, this is the way that it's going to be. And there's no changes. Just adapt. You can't adapt in the NFL. There's no time to adapt in the NFL. So Matt Nagy, like, dude, what are you doing? You're killing the team. Look. The best I've seen kind of Justin Fields play and be Justin Fields, be Justin Fields was, when Matt Nagy had was, his, was when Matt Nagy wasn't the head coach. So if that doesn't prove it, I don't know what does. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we really appreciate your support. We're, we're seeing the downloads uh, you know, grow each and every week. We really appreciate everyone's support. So continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.